0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're doing a series called Fugitive, Running from God. And
1: many of us can relate to that whole concept because you can get to the place in your life where, just like in the life of Jonah, and we looked at this last week, where God tells you specifically something that He wants you to do or He gives you guidance in His Word or gives you guidance through others. And you know that this is the direction God wants you to. He wants you to head in this direction. But you don't like what God's asking of you. So you run in the opposite direction. You're heading out over here. And you're just kind of leaving God behind because you feel you know better and you're just going to do your own thing and so you're over here. And we saw how, last week, how God doesn't let you do that. That if you belong to Him, He chases after you. In fact, He'll bring circumstances into your life to get your attention to turn you back to Him. Remember we saw that last week? That whole concept of God bringing his disciplining hand into our lives. What we're going to look at today is is that we're going to look at how we respond to that. Because when you make that conscious, willful decision, Lord, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to head in this direction. God comes after you. And he puts the pressure on in your life to get you to respond. You can respond in one of two ways. You can respond, first of all, out of anger. In fact, that's the first point I want you to see here, is that we can respond with bitterness and rebellion. We can shake our fist at God and say, How dare you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? And you can get angry with Him. And some of you maybe are angry with God. Why are you letting this happen to me? Who are you to do that to my life? And you curse him. And you're angry with him. And here's the thing. You forget that the reason why this stuff is happening in your life is because you decided to leave. Remember the key word last week was the presence of the Lord, his protection, his safety, his blessing. And decided to go and do your own thing. And so now you're facing all those consequences for your decisions and you're angry with him. See, that's the first response. You can respond with bitterness and rebellion. And you say, is that true? Yes. For instance, let me just kind of reflect with you. All the way over in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. You don't need to turn there. God in that book is pouring out His judgment on the world. It's yet to come. His anger and wrath on a world that is in rebellion against Him. But yet He always, and this is how God is, He always gives the opportunity for people to repent to turn back to him. But I want you to notice what chapter 16 of Revelation says. It says it in three different places in the chapter. Listen to what it says. And the men were scorched with great heat. And listen how they responded. And they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Listen to verse 11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Listen to verse 21. And a great hail from heaven fell upon man, each hail stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Here, God is turning up the pressure on humanity in the future, wanting them to turn to Him, and no matter what happens, they raise their fists at God and say, God, we hate you. Stay out of my life. That's one way of responding. But there's another way. See, we can respond to God with brokenness and submission. See, that's what we're going to see today in the life of Jonah. Here's Jonah. He's running from God. God told him to go to Nineveh. He decided he's going to get on a boat and go to Tarshish. Do you remember the story? He's on the boat. God causes this great storm to happen. End of the story. We see Jonah being cast into the sea. A fish comes along, swallows him. And he chooses to respond. And well, why don't we see what the Scripture tells us, and you'll see how he responds. Look with me, chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth and its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. See, here's Jonah. He's running from God. He's doing his own thing. God brings some circumstances into his life and causes these consequences to happen. And here's how he responded. Rather than responding with anger towards God, he responds with submission and brokenness. See, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at Jonah's prayer. And we're going to talk about the place of submission, the place of brokenness. That's what we're going to talk about today. And listen, some of you need to hear that here because you're doing exactly like Jonah is. You know for sure what it is that God has told you to do. It's very evident to you. It doesn't need to be pointed out to you. It's not like something you're missing. You know what God is saying to you. But you're just doing your own thing. You're heading in this direction. And here's the wonderful thing about God. God loves you so much that He's not going to just let you go off on your own. That's how wonderful God is. He loves you so much That He's not going to let you go off on your own. And so as you're going out here, God's turning the heat up in your life to bring you back. And we're going to talk about the proper way to respond to Him. Rather than shaking a fist at Him, we're going to talk about responding in brokenness and submission. So first of all, I want you to notice with me the proper view of God. The first thing I want you to notice is this. The affliction drives you to God. Notice something. Look with me at verse 2. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. The proper view that he has here is this, that God will come to you when you are driven to Him by the fact of what's happening in your life. See, he understands that as he's facing those difficult circumstances, that as he bows his head, as he prays to God, he knows that God is going to be there for him. The affliction is driving him there. See, that's the first thing you've got to recognize. If I'm going to have a proper view, is that as I'm facing the circumstance, I've got to recognize the circumstance it should be driving me back to God. Should be driving me back to Him. That's the point we need to see there. See, affliction will drive you to God. It'll drive you there. See, when you're running from Him and you're doing your own thing and God turns up the heat in your life, He's turning up the heat in your life to get your attention. What's He wanting to get about your attention? He wants you to turn back to Him. He wants you to turn back to Him and say, Lord, I'm wrong. I need you. I've been doing my own thing and I've been messing up my life. But Lord, I need you. That's what he wants us to see. Now here's the other thing about that proper view that I want you to understand. And that's this. He hears you. He hears you. Notice what Jonah says there. Look at verse 2 again. I cried out to the Lord, first part, and then notice the second part there, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, now Sheol is, is the fear of death, the fear of the grave. Out of a fear of the dying, I cried out, he says. And notice what he says. And you, who's he talking about? God, heard my voice. See, here's a proper view. When you have a place of brokenness, and you're here, and you're facing those difficult circumstances, and you're facing those consequences of the stuff you're going through because you decided to go in the opposite direction, and God brings the affliction in your life to get your attention, and you cry out to Him for mercy you bow your head, the proper view recognizes that He hears you. He hears you. See, if you're shaking a fist at God and you're angry with God and you're blaspheming God and you're yelling at God, there's no concept there of God hearing you. Because all you hear is yourself. But the reality is, my friend, the reality is is when you bow your heart, when you bow your pride, When you bow yourself before a living God and you cry out to Him, He hears you. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It doesn't matter how far you've run. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how much you have messed up. It doesn't matter how much you have done. The moment you bow your heart because of the things that God is doing in your life to get your attention, the moment you bow your heart, the wonderful thing is is He hears you. He hears you. That's so awesome. God is an awesome God. So He has a proper view of Him. Next thing I want you to notice is this. He has a proper understanding. Look with me now. Look at three, verses 3-7. Three through seven. What you're going to read there from his prayer is Jonah's description of what happened to him when he was thrown into the sea. Here in Hebrew poetry, he's going to show us what is happening to him. Notice what he says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look. Again, towards your holy temple. The water surrounded me. Even my deep soul, the deep closed around me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings, or another word would be the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Here, as we look at how he's describing what is happening to me, he has a proper understanding of what's happening. So I want you to notice the first thing. He knows that God is disciplining him. That's the first thing I want you to see there. He knows that God is the one disciplining. Notice the very first thing he says. You, what? Cast me into the deep. So here you are, you're running from God. You're doing your own thing. You don't want to do what He wants you to do. God is turning up the heat in your life. He's allowing you to face the consequences of your decisions. He's allowing you to face the consequences of your behavior. He's trying to get your attention. And the place of brokenness, as I'm in a place of brokenness, I begin to realize what's going on here. That everything that's happening to me over here is because God is the one who's disciplining me. I'm God's child. Nothing happens to me except that God allows it to happen to me. Does everybody understand that? And as I'm facing the stuff that I'm facing over here, it's because God has allowed it to happen to me. And so the proper understanding I have of what's going on here, when I come to that place of brokenness, is that I begin to realize, I begin to recognize, Lord, you're trying to get my attention. You're trying to mold my character. You're trying to get my attention. That's what's going on here, Lord. And see, that's exactly how Jonah responded when he said, You, Lord, are the one who cast me into the deep. You're the one who allowed those things to happen to me. What? I want you to notice something too. Not only does he understand that God is the one who's allowing him to go through that experience, he's got one other understanding going on here. He's got one other concept that's helping him. And I want you to notice, this is the next thing. He knows that he can turn back to God. Notice what he says here. A couple places here. Verse 4. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Look, notice what he says here. There's a wonderful word. Yet. Y-E-T. Yet. I will look again towards your holy temple. There's hope there. There's hope. Notice now. Notice with me. Verse 6, the last part of verse 6, verse 7. I went down through the moorings, the foundations of the mountains, and the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet, notice again the word yet. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Don't you like that word yet? Here you are. You're over here. You're going, undergoing the disciplining hand of God. God's trying to get your attention. And you know it. But there's a wonderful word. Yet. Yet. What do you mean yet? Yet God
0: will hear you.
1: See, Jonah knows it. Do you know it? He knows that he can turn back to God. See, it's not a lost cause. Some of you said, You don't understand, George. You don't know what I've done. I don't know that God could ever accept me back, my friends. Jesus' blood washes clean even the dirtiest life. And I don't care how mad you've messed up. If you're still alive, you can change course and go back. You can go back. There you are. Do you have that same hope? You know that God's trying to get your attention. You know that He's trying to get you back to where He needs you to be, back where He wants you to be, back where you need to be. And you know it. Oh, you know what? And here's how we respond. Oh, you're just going through that stuff because bad stuff just happens to people sometimes. You know how it is. When it rains, it pours. And it's just pouring in your life right now. And you're listening to people say that and you know in the heart of your hearts, you're like, well, that may be true sometimes, but right now I know in my heart, God's trying to get my attention. God's trying to get my attention. And so You've got a choice to make. You've got a choice to make. You can just keep saying, well, you know what, God, I know you're trying to get my attention, but I'm just going to do my own thing. And shake your fist at God. How dare you, God, try to do that to me? Or you can turn and know that you can turn and go back to God. So he has a proper understanding. He knows two things. He knows that God is the one who's disciplining him and he knows that he can turn back to God. But I want you to notice he finishes up his prayer, verses 8 and 9, with a proper attitude. See, when you're shaking your fist at God, you don't have a proper attitude. He's finishing up his prayer here with a proper attitude. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. When we sang that song, I Need You, Jesus come to my rescue. That's a proper attitude. That's the attitude we see here. Look at what he says in verses 8 and 9. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. What's he saying here? First thing, there is no hope in anything but God. See, he's coming to a place of understanding here. Even as he's in the belly of this whale and he's uttering this prayer in the belly of a whale. And he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He realizes that if he places his hope in anything else, he has no hope. So here you are. You're over here. You're doing your own thing. You decided you didn't want to do what God told you to do. And you're facing the consequences. And stuff is happening in your life. And God is trying to get your attention. I'm going to be honest with you. You can either make one or two choices here. You can turn back to Him or you can try to do your own thing. But here's what Jonah is saying. You try to do your own thing and you're relying on stuff around you. Maybe you're relying on people. You're relying on human wisdom. You're relying on all this. Maybe your money. You're relying on your strength. Your brain power. Well, first of all, check your brain power. It's what got you into the problem anyhow. Because you, with your brain power, decided to come over here. So here you are. You're going to trust in all of this other stuff than God. Here's what Jonah's saying. You have no hope. See, the proper attitude recognizes that when I'm over here doing my own thing and I'm trusting in something other than God, I don't have any hope. You don't have any hope. Well, we just need a new government program, or, or we just need this, or we just need that, or, or I, just need, I just need some relatives to cough up some money to help me out in this time of need right now. You know what? Even if they did, and even if there was, he's just going to keep turning on. And the reality is it's only for a moment with them, with God, it's forever. See, there's no hope. There is no hope in anything but God. And see, that's the final point I want you to see there is this. He praises God for his salvation. He's praising God for his salvation. You say, he's in the belly of a whale and he's praising God for salvation. What do you mean by that? Listen, this just came to me this week as I was studying this passage. I've never heard anybody else refer to this. But what Jonah is praying here from this belly, as he's realizing this, look with me first again, verse 6, Yet you have brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Then when you look, verse 9, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what you have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Here's what he's beginning to understand. He's beginning to understand that that fish, that whale that swallowed him, was his salvation. Wow. You mean being in the stomach of a big old whale is his salvation? Yeah, because he realized if it hadn't been God bringing the whale by to swallow him, he would have drowned. He would have been dead. Here, let me just stop for a moment. Listen to me. Some of you right now You've made a conscious decision to go from what God wants you to do and you're doing your own thing. And God is turning up the heat in your life. Here's the conclusion Jonah came to. The heat was the salvation of God. Because the merciful God decided to intervene and get his attention. Because if he had just let him go on his own, he would be dead. Listen, you may be complaining because God's trying to get your attention, but you need to listen to me. Listen to me. If it wasn't for the fact that he was trying to get your attention, he would just let you go off and do your own thing. And I'll be honest with you, over and over the Bible says, you just go off and do your own thing, you're handing your own life. You're giving it away. The result ultimately is that you're going to kill yourself. And so Jonah is here, and he has this proper attitude. He recognizes, first of all, what—that I can't do anything without God. There's no hope without God. And then, first of all, he recognizes where's my salvation coming from. Him. So even in the midst of all the difficult circumstances, and we don't like those things, don't we, do we? We don't like it when God turns up the heat. Well, let me be honest—I don't like it. But it's for our own good, for our own salvation. And see, Jonah recognizes that. Jonah recognizes that. He recognizes that God is the one. So he praises him. He praises God for his salvation. Are you praising God even in the midst of you being in the pit over here? Are you praising God for his mercy? Three things I want you to think about. Number one, how are you responding to God? You're over here. And some of you know you're over here. What He wants you to do is over there. You're heading in the opposite direction. And God is turning up the heat to get your attention. How are you responding? Are you responding like those folks in the book of Revelation who are shaking their fist at God, blaspheming Him, cursing the name of the Lord? because of His trying to get them to come to the place of repentance? Are you doing that? Are you shaking your fist at God? Oh, you may not be doing it out loud. Let me just stop for a moment, because there's different ways of doing it. We've seen folks who literally do it. You may not be doing it out loud. Maybe you're doing it on the inside of your heart. Maybe you're shaking your fist at God from the inside. How are you responding? Or are you responding with, Lord, I know I'm here and I'm facing what I'm here because of my decision, Lord, and I need you. How are you responding to them? How are you responding to Him? You've got to ask yourself that question. See, that's an important question because how you answer that question is going to determine what the course is going to be. You say, what do you mean by that, George? If I recognize that God is the one who's disciplining me and I respond with brokenness, then I can start heading back. But if I respond with rebellion and bitterness, he just keeps turning up the heat more and more. If you're his child, he'll keep turning up the heat to the point that one day he maybe says, you know what, he's no good here anymore. I'll take him home. God may take them home. How are you responding? Next thing I want you to see is this. Is God disciplining you? And you don't have to think too hard about that one. You know what He wants you to do. You know what He's calling you to do. and I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. It's God has communicated something to you from His Word, maybe through the counsel of others, maybe through the church or whatever, maybe through prayer. But God has shared with you what you need to do. The Word of the Lord has come to you. This is what you need to do. And you know what it is. But you've decided you're heading over here. You're going over here. You're going to do your own thing. And so because of that, God comes after you. And He brings the disciplining hand in your life to bring you back. To turn you back. And so as you're looking at the stuff that you're facing right now, can I ask you a question? Are you facing the discipline of God? Now, some of us may say, well, it's the devil. The devil's trying to get me. No, no, no. Hold on a second now. A lot of things we blame on the devil. It may not be the devil. It may be God trying to get your attention. Are you facing the disciplining of God? And then finally, and, and this is the point we finished with last week, If you recognize that, if you recognize how you're responding and you recognize that God is disciplining you, He's trying to get your attention, this brings us to the final point. Turn back to God. Turn back to God. You know what the wonderful thing is? And this is what came out of Jonah, is that as he turned back to God, he knew that God would take him back. God will take you back. Here's a verse of Scripture that Jonah didn't have. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will take you back. So turn back. Turn back from what you're doing wrong and start heading back in the same direction again. Turn back. Some of you need to turn back today. Some of you need to turn back.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.